I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Meg McDonald. I'm from the Darabin Falcons. I listen to the Outer Sanctum because it's awesome to hear five women talking footy and having a totally different perspective on all the issues that come up with it. And um, it's the most fresh form of media that I engage in. That's so kind, but you know there's six of us. Oh. of the AFL. Head from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Bounce on its point, wow. The Fates, the gods are with the gods. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. I'm Emma Race and joined as always by my football loving friends. How are you, Felicity Race? I am wide awake and ready to go. That's great to hear. Dr. Kate Sears in the house. Hi, I've got a cold and a very husky voice, but I'll do my best. Thank you for coming off your sick bed. Lucy Race, how are you? I'm great, thanks, Em. Nicole Hayes, darling girl, how are you? I'm very excited to be here. And rounding out the full quorum today, we've got Alicia sometimes back in the house. How are you, Alicia? Pumped. Nice to have you back. We missed you last week. Um, let's kick off this week's episode with a little special omen watch because we got sent one in the mail, Katie. We did, I know. So Elliot, who's a Swan supporter and listens to us, did my um, work for me this week, which was great. He sent us uh, what he thought was an interesting omen. So, as I said, he's a Swans supporter. Sydney played Richmond on the weekend. So he mentioned, first of all, that in that game against Richmond, Sydney gave up the first six goals of the game, just as they did the first six matches of 2017. He described it as an epic come-from-behind win. He said Sydney scored 12 goals to Richmond's 10, and I quote here from Elliot, he said, exactly mirroring what is supposedly required this year to make the finals, i.e. reaching the mystical 12 wins, 10 losses ratio touted to equal entry into the top eight. So Elliot is convinced that Sydney are going to make the finals and it's actually pretty... (laughs) Look what you have done to people out there, Kate. They can't just watch the footy and enjoy it anymore. They're looking for signs. I know. know. It's that apocalypsia thing that Alicia... (laughs) Apocalypsia. Is it still statistically correct to say that anyone can make it? Mathematically, it's correct, but less mathematically for Hawthorne. Yeah, true. <laughs> and Brisbane. And Brisbane maths are looking shaky. Like general maths or yeah. commercial maths. Yeah. Quantum no. physics. Quantum physics says, says Hawks, no. All I can hear is Hawthorne and Black Hole. <laughs> exactly. Stephen Hawking did release a comment on this during the week. Yeah. <laughs> Um, also this week there was the Hall of Fame and Malcolm Blight got inducted. and We got a good legend. He was, he said something quite lovely. Do you have he it there, Lou? He did, he did. So, the, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why Malcolm Blight is a legend and a very worthy player to be elevated to legend status. But the part in his speech that I think just made us all smile a little bit wider is where he said, but you know the thing I love more than anything and why my heart is still a Sharon is I know that every boy and every girl in this country can play our game and love it. So don't we just love it when somebody uses their platform for positivity, inclusivity, (laughs) and is just an all-round legend. I I knew in 76 he kicked 100 metres. It wasn't 50. It wasn't 70. It was 100, wasn't it? He keeps growing every year. If his heart is a Sharon, I'm imagining it's a full-size Sharon That's what I'm thinking Bigger than Farlaps. Yeah. I do love that image that has been in a lot of the media this week of him taking a specky on the back of his players <laughs> post <laughs> grand final celebration. Full specky, knee in the back. Brilliant. Uh, I once took a specky on the back of my friend when we were travelling overseas and it wasn't until after I'd taken the specky I realised it wasn't actually her, it was someone else. <laughs> Don't do that. Wow. If you're playing along at home, that's hard to... Um... Emma Race was cultural it attaché. It was in Monaco. <laughs> La specky. <laughs> uh, what Lucy was alluding to, of course, is that, um, well, we had... 
organised a beautiful package of a display and a beautiful walk down the path, path of-, of Hamilton's lovely Pride Game and Inclusion, which we went to, that was all about inclusion and diversity and celebrating using the right language around the trans community and the LGBTIQ community. And overnight, well, we've woken up this morning to see that the footy show has, again, done some... Damage, 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 yeah. yeah. And no I, I mean, I do, I think it was on purpose, right? I think that there's been... It a, feels like it, It feels it? like it, there's been... I didn't want to talk about them necessarily this week, but there's been a lot of articles saying that the show's on the, its last legs and I wonder whether um, this was something that they had planned so that they can get themselves back on, on the front page of the paper again or whatever it is Are they that going motivates up blazing? Them? Which is it? Could yeah, be like their last hurrah. Could be either. I'm struggling to find the words because I, I kind of can't believe we're back here again. But, Katesy, you've kind of got a snapshot of what happened. A little summary for those who didn't see it. Yeah. So, basically, uh, what happened was on the weekend in the St Kilda game, St Kilda played North and they had a great banner on the weekend, which I thought was <laughs> nice and lighthearted, about the Kardashians. And so then last night the footy show had a little segment that mocked that St Kilda Kardashians banner. What it did was mock Caitlyn Jenner as not being pretty. That's essentially what it was about. Um, I think most of our listeners will know that Caitlyn Jenner is a well-known star of the show, Keeping Up With The Kardashians, was formerly married to one of the Kardashians, but more importantly is a very prominent and proud trans woman. Um, And so after they displayed that banner, which I think was a really big problem in and of itself, Billy Brownless, who's one of the panellists on that show, then it cut to him and he said to Sam Newman in what did seem like a setup, as you said, Em, do you know who Caitlyn Jenner is? And Sam Newman said, and I'll quote here, I know who he is, who it is. And then there was some laughter from the crowd. And then Sam Newman said, what is she? Is it a he or she? And then Beck Madden, who's also one of the hosts, said, he is a she now. Mm. And there was more laughing and uh, clapping from the crowd and it sort of ended there. So what we have learnt from sitting in this seat is that that kind of jocularity and language around um, these kinds of issues is really damaging and really dangerous. What we also learnt at the lunch at the Hamilton Pride Game in and, and these statistics are available via you know, many websites and places like Beyond Blue who has some really good information, but up to 50% of trans people have actually attempted suicide at least once. And that, like, you just so think of that and you think sad. of what people are facing in terms of fear and loathing. You look at those comments through that prism and it is heartbreaking. It's just heartbreaking. They don't need to be so hurtful and damaging in their comments. They can still be a mainstream, jocular, jokey, even blokey Mm. program that Mm. would get the ratings, would get the hearts and minds of people loving football if they didn't attack people the way they did Mm. and they don't realise it's dangerous. And for people uh, who sit and support that, it's a terrible thing. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's easy to say don't watch and, you know, we don't actually. But the fact is it's still on free-to-air television. It's still being seen by kids and young people. It's still deliberately and cynically inflicting harm. And the reality is it's this, it's still the public face of Channel 9 and as well as those players and clubs that continue to appear on it, um, not to mention the, the all the other people, the commentators. I just feel like it's game over for that footy show. I'm really looking forward to seeing the end of it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you say that, Nicole, that it's on free-to-air because I was having a look this morning and there are actually a number of codes and codes of practice that govern um, commercial television stations. And I had a look at the code of practice and one of the things that it says is essentially that stations shouldn't broadcast any material that is, and I'll quote here, likely in all the circumstances to provoke or perpetuate in or by a reasonable person intense dislike, serious contempt, or severe ridicule against a person or a group of people because of their age, colour, gender, uh, etc. And, um, you know, the, the excuse that's often, or the explanation that's often trotted out when these things happen is that it's simply a joke and perhaps mm. it was unintentional, m- reckless at the very most. One of the other things that I noticed, though, is that on the website where these codes of conduct can be found and looked at by anyone, there are a series of advisory notes that essentially are designed to help broadcasters understand how to cover 
issues that affect certain communities. So there's an advisory note, for example, on how to present material about Indigenous people. And there's one on the portrayal of women and men, but it's not specific to transgender communities. And it did make me wonder whether we need one, Mm. Um, one that gives proper consideration to things like the practice of dead naming, which is a practice that many trans people find offensive where, uh, you know, if a person identifies as a woman, you might refer to them as previously having been a man in, in order to out them, embarrass them, shock them and so on. Caitlin Jenner has said quite clearly um, in her book, I think, that she doesn't have a problem with that, but many people do. And I think that's one of the things that we saw going on here. And that was one of the things I think a couple of weeks ago I was referring to a great glossary on the glad.org yes. website. And that has a really thorough <clears throat> media advice glossary of terms that you should, shouldn't use, should use, the backstory to it all. I think it's well established that if you're a producer on the footy show, you're not reading any of the guidelines on what's mm. community standard or what's okay for reasonable people because that that wasn't a slip up that's a premeditated there's graphics there's there were scripts approved at that point that that's let's just wind sam up and make him do something and i think you know it's you know we talked about this a few weeks ago but i think it's time for players and clubs to actually vote with their feet because you you wear this you know if you're sitting on that panel as a player or representing your club that sticks, mm. and I think. And to quote you, you then walk it back into yeah. your club on the bottom of your shoe. And Max mm. Gorn has just twice. twice. He's got. He's yeah. done twice. He's had to be there. And like I think now we can say, if you go on that show, and the CBA has been signed off, we'll talk mm. about that later. The players are going to be remunerated well enough that they don't need mm. to rely on mm. a TV appearance payment, um, which they do get paid to mm. go on the footage. So that's why a they lot. do it. They, yeah. yeah, and um, that if you are going there, you are. Complicit. You are saying, I support this. I support this media outlet. And And sponsors are too. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's that thing about the standard you walk by is the standard you accept, really. Well, I know I'll be contacting my club today and... I would actually urge people to, if that if that's not a standard that you're prepared to accept, contact your club and tell them what you think about it. Boycott the show. So both Liam Picken and Bob Murphy's wives and partners have come out on Instagram. They're both quite prolific. They've come out today and said, I will never support my husband going on that show and my husband would never go on that show because of those reasons. Angie Green, who is who's the creator of Stand Up Events, which is an organisation that runs programs to eliminate homophobic and transphobic language around sports clubs and schools and she educates people on this. She is um, a shell of a woman this morning. She's been receiving messages and she's continuing to send them through to us as well to see the damage that homophobic language and transphobic language can cause. She's got some pretty serious AFL cred, not herself, but in her gene pool. (laughs) (laughs) Andy, thanks for joining us this morning. So can you talk us through how it all unfolded for you? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks. So I love you guys and exactly what you do. And thank you for um, using your platform to speak about this. So I'll be completely honest. I, I very, I've, I've got a boyfriend of four years who is obsessed with footy. So, so sometimes the footy show is on, but I can't, I can't stand it um, for, for a lot of reasons. And I tend to kind of glaze in and out of it and, I actually uh, didn't watch it live last night. However, straight afterwards, a friend of mine who is in the LGBTIQ um, non-hetero and gender diverse community sent me that and I can't really explain how I felt. I was incredibly angry, um, sad and um scared a lot of different emotions especially because the beautiful girl that sent me this message also followed up with a with a pretty heartbreaking message and then from that I guess because of the work that I'm in involved in um, then after that received quite a few really concerning and heartbreaking messages specifically from the trans community because of what was said um, specifically by Sam Newman and yeah, the reason why I don't watch the show is because I I I can't really handle that man and and how no one ever on that panel is ever accountable for for what they say and what they do and um this just kind of you know tips the iceberg um for me. 
Angie, it's Kate here. Thanks so much for talking to us. I wonder if, um, you know, you, you talked about people being held to account or not being held to account on that show. What would you like to see happen in a sort of more positive sense? Yeah, look, I'm no expert, but what I personally would love to see is definitely accountability, definitely an apology. And what I would love to see is, God, get better footy show like that was completely unacceptable but if we want to do something positive get someone like Ro Allen on the panel or you know one of you beautiful ladies or Emily you know K Rowe who's an openly trans footballer and have a conversation on that type of platform about why those comments are so damaging and that there are real people who are really affected by those kind of comments and and stay away from sport specifically because of people and comments comments like that. So I think there's got to be a real show of, you know, getting members from the community and having kind of like a, an awareness discussion or an education discussion on, a sh- on, on the actual show because it's not, it, it's not good enough, just an apology, because I don't think it will be um, heartfelt or real. No. Angie, it's Felicity here. Um, I mean, we can hear your anger. How angry do you think someone like Matt Finnis is today, seeing the brand oh, of St Kilda um, yeah. with all that they do and all that they stand for yeah. um, being used in that way? I can't imagine what um, Matt and, you know, Lisa Lang uh, would be feeling. Right now they have done such an incredible job, not only externally but internally within their in their sporting culture to make their culture an, an inclusive and equal space for everyone and exactly to be used by, you know, to use the banner especially on a St Kilda one is just so disgusting and it's appalling and I guess essentially we will wait to hear from, yeah. I guess, St Kilda or Matt him, himself because knowing Matt, I definitely don't think he is someone that would let this slide at all. We're hearing a few comments coming through to us that you're probably hearing too of people demanding that their players at clubs that they support boycott the footy show. Um, yeah. So we'll wait to see what happens with that. Thank you for giving us some time today, Angie. We know you've probably got a day of it ahead of you, so we got you back. My pleasure, guys. I love you so much. Thank you so much for doing exactly what you do. If you want to follow stand-up events, um, they are on Instagram and Twitter and there's lots of people getting behind, putting their support behind trans people today. And I think that that's the happy outcome is that we're talking about these things. So we had alluded at the start to the most beautiful occasion that Lucy and I attended in Hamilton. My heart was bursting from it. The Pride game was fantastic. It was between two VFL powerhouse teams and we knew it would be a celebration. What we didn't expect is how raw and overwhelming the experience would be. Through the panel forum prior to the game, we saw the faces and heard the stories of people whose lives have been torturous because of homophobia and transphobia, which feels really poignant to mention today. The event was put on by Charles Beaton, who did it in the name of his brother, Lachlan Beaton. And he talked about um, the trauma that he had suffered from his years of suppressing his sexuality. And he even went on to say that he's now getting some counselling and that the trauma that has been created from suppressing his sexuality for so long has been likened to growing up in a war-torn country. Like he's actually got that much damage that he has to kind of unravel now that he's um, proud and out and making huge headway with his own personal development and story. So big shout out to Lachlan and Charles and to Annie Noll and everyone who got into the spirit of the game on Saturday. They changed the conversation for young people and old people who have been living in fear in the town of Hamilton. There was lots of tears, but of course, there was also lots of football. For anyone who missed the chance to go to the day, here's a snapshot of it now. moments away from the Pride game kicking off in Hamilton. I'm beyond proud. We're talking about mental health, people living lives that they were born to live and being free to live them. 
this day's been, as you can see, a booming success already. I saw a young woman walking around holding a footy just before and just, you know, holding in her hands like it was um, meant to be there. I think it sends a very important message to everybody. Women and men can play footy and everybody can be included and we all watch the footy and enjoy it together as well. Young people in this town will wake up tomorrow morning, see it on the radio, see it in the papers and go, wow, if someone that's masculine and is great at football can say it's okay to be me, I'm okay about it too. I have a day son, Jake, who's uh, came home um, during the week from Melbourne and was blown away by the town and how it had decorated the windows and how we're having the, the Pride Day and really, he's 23 now, but at 16, if he had seen that kind of support then, um, it would have been a lot easier for him to maybe come out in country areas. Growing up, I felt so excluded. I just really wanted to come back and see how a community has responded that you would probably classify as a stereotypical country conservative area. Being gay or being yourself is okay and we will support you. It's quite incredible. Have you seen her dressed in blue? See the sky in front of you? And her face is like a sail white so fair and pale Have you seen a lady it's been really lovely to run out um, in the high jumper and to actually share. It was, yes, it was about the game, but about the event, quite important event. I think that's what today's win is. Yes. Really big, quite emotional win. Um, yes. Especially that fullback, it got very emotional. Quite emotional, I mean. I was having an anxiety attack, but that's okay. Have you seen her all in gold? It just felt a bit more special today. I think maybe the jumper and just the whole meaning of the day is a uh, really terrific cause and we're just so wrapped we can be a part of it. Great to be embraced by the whole community. It's just a terrific day. I'm in my 50s and I've got one son and I say I've got one son and 100 daughters and I'm probably proud of our girls. I'm still reliving it. Um, I think what you alluded to, Emma, earlier was that, you know, we heard a lot of personal stories and I think the common thread that came through was that events like this and things like the decorations in the windows, stories in local media actually all makes a difference. And so many people said that if they'd seen things like that or had that kind of experience when they were younger, that it would have made a difference. So, The message I take is when people ask what's the point of a pride game or why should the AFL be involved in gestures like this, the answer is because it sends a powerful message to people who may be experiencing fear or uncertainty or not liking themselves or not knowing where they belong, um, not being able to be true to themselves, that there is an enormous section of the community who accept them for who they are. And one person who embodies that whole kind of ideal was Julie, someone who we met when we were walking through the crowds in Hamilton. There was lots of people that the game meant a lot to. And just by chance, we managed to meet Julie, who is a Hamilton resident, has lived there for 17 years. And we just thought we were going to ask Julie what the game meant. She might say... I'm enjoying the game and I had a nice pie, but she had so much more to tell us. Julie, thank you so much for joining us on the Outer Sanctum. When we saw you on Saturday, um, we asked you what your connection to the game was and um, we'd love you to tell our listeners now why it was so important for you to be there. Yeah, it was uh, just an amazing day for me and um, an amazing day for my family. Um, I'm a very proud mom of two gay kids who grew up, spent most of their childhood um, and early adulthood in Hamilton. We've lived there for the last 17 years. Um, so for us to see a very conservative town 
embrace inclusivity and um, really put on their pride colours was just amazing. Um, my kids didn't have the easiest of childhoods growing up in Hamilton. We thought it would have been an idyllic place for them to grow up, being a small country town with lots of great facilities, great schools, great healthcare, great sporting facilities. But unfortunately, when you're a little bit different in a really conservative town, it doesn't always, it isn't always the easiest of childhoods. And unfortunately, they both um, got bullied. Um, my son, especially, all through primary school and secondary school. They both, when they look back at their time in Hamilton, don't look on it as a, a great experience, which as a parent, it just, it breaks your heart because, mm. you know, it should have been the best experience for them. They had great opportunities, but because they were just that little bit different and they struggled to be who they are and, and felt shame, which, which they shouldn't mm. have, you know, had to feel shame, um, and yet it, it does break your heart as a parent and I guess it, it does impact your whole family and watch your kids go through being bullied and experience mental health issues, not wanting to go to school, losing friends. You know, as a family, we were threatened mm-hmm. um, by my daughter's um, partner's family um, who had an, an issue with her being gay um, and being in a relationship. And so, yeah, it was quite a traumatic experience for my kids coming out. Um, neither of them now live in Hamilton. David was at the game and he was really surprised at the community's embracement of, of in, you know, the event. What, what did he think seeing the town in a different way on Saturday? Yeah, I think he felt just slightly helpful. Um, yeah. I think it was an initial step of healing for David, which was, you know, really good to see. I think he now perhaps feels that maybe he could be in a small regional town going forward after he finishes his study and and maybe it's not out of the question where when he left for uni there was no way he was ever moving back to a country mm-hmm. town because, you know, his experience was is was not ideal. So I think it's given him some hope. I think even for me it's it's the first step and, you know, I'd really like to see the event be an annual event, mm-hmm. but lots of things happen in the background you know, between events, you know, I don't want Saturday's event just to be a one-off and people for a few days talk about it and, and there's a tension around it. And then it goes back to what it was before where kids feel different, excluded, bullied, ashamed. So we really got to work on, you know, the whole system around it so that young people can feel that support, not just on um, a pride and inclusion game day, or the weeks leading up to it, but every day that they feel that they can be who they are and not have to apologise for who they are. Did David say that had he had an experience like this or a game like this and an outpouring like this when he was a boy growing up in the town, if it would have made a difference to him? Oh, it, yeah, he, he definitely reflected on that it would have made a difference, would have made a difference to how he felt about who he was. He would have felt that he had more allies than what he did. He had some exceptional teachers that were a great support. He had a supportive mom and a supportive dad. He had a few close friends that were supportive, but other than that, he didn't have much support at all. Um, and Kate would be the same. So to have had an event like that five years ago for David, you know, seven or eight years ago for Kate would have made all the difference. Julie, thank you so much for sharing your time with us again today. It was such a pleasure to meet you on Saturday and we look forward to seeing you again next year at the game. I'll definitely be, be there, and I'm not sure that you're aware or not, but I had been overseas, and I planned my travel um, timeline, so I'd be back. I arrived Friday afternoon, so I was back for the game. It was such an, a significant event for me to be able to attend and, and for me to be able to represent my family. And, and, and like I say, just that little bit of hope that things can change, things will change, and they'll be better for the next lot of kids that are you know coming to terms with their sexual identity, and, and hopefully they'll have that idyllic Um, childhood that that my kids should have been able to have going forward. Thanks to Julie. Thanks to everyone who spoke to us. Among the crowds on Saturday, I have to tell you guys this, um, all of the pod community was there as well. There was, you know, the Changer Game Girls and the Chicks Talking Footy. And it was also a real honour to meet the team from Girls Play Footy. So we met Peter Holden, who's been doing some amazing work in talking about women's footy. Um, But one of my favourite things was when Lucy was saying how thrilled she was to meet him and she called him Peter Ford. (laughs) And I thought, you're a Ford person or you're a Holden person, 
maybe this never leaves you. But, uh, it was lovely Abba. to meet him. That's a binary we can embrace. <laughs> it was oh, hilarious. Sorry, Peter. <laughs> one thing that um, I heard on This AFL Life, who's one of the other um, footy podcasts that we love this week, they were talking about the CBA. So that's finally been reconciled and it's Ooh, been massive, massive, hasn't it, Nicole? Yeah, so $1.84 billion it's gone up. So 20% increase for players across the board. I think the average wage for an AFL M player it goes from three hundred and nine to three hundred and seventy one thousand dollars a year. So, Gil McLaughlin's comment was: "We believe in the theory of the CBA being tied in a binary way to the success of the industry." I think there are a lot of implications for the AFLW on the back of this. Well, there has say. to be, doesn't there? If, if the agreement for the AFLW is you're paid a percentage based on the AFL M the wage, list, does yeah. that put the women's wages up by what is it twenty percent next year, and then? Uh, which it is a big, heavily front-ended sort of pay deal. They get, I think it's a 20% pay increase next year and then less than 2% for the, the years after. But yeah, it would be interesting to see if there's a, a flow-on effect to the AFLW. At the moment, it's um, it was based on the rookie wage estimated to be about $30 an hour. So based on this new the increase, it's going to be $33 an hour. So I've... Uh that's a, that's a whole coffee every hour. It really is. That's awesome. <laughs> that sounds great. Half an You'd be buzzing. No, no <laughs> kidding, yeah. But, it's, I, you know, I really hope, it, obviously it gives the AFLPA um, the backing and the foundation to make a claim for more of that money that obviously the AFL is quite happy to give away. Yeah, okay. It was interesting on this AFL Life and I want to play a little bit for you from Alison Smirnoff and Julia Kiera talking to Daisy Pierce. and Daisy is on the AFLPA and she was talking about when she first got there and they were talking about the CBA. Listen to this. Most football fans, women's footy fans know a lot of your story and that you are a midwife and I guess I thought, you know, working in a hospital, hospitals are pretty unionised kind of places and did you have a lot of experience about the workings of unions and how that works, advocacy and collective bargaining and all that that you could bring across? Or did Not you, really. You know? uh, to be honest, yeah, I'm learning a lot of, in terms of collective bargaining and um, the intricacies of it, I'm learning on, mm. the, on the run. Yeah. Um, but yeah, certainly understood from being a nurse and midwife the value of, of a union. It's funny yeah. though, like my, my thinking on how the Players Association work has has changed over mm. the, the last couple of months in that when they first started helping us out, the women's contracts, I was almost a bit sort of resistant to them because I was thinking, just shush, let's just get it started. Like, yeah. don't don't um, cause any trouble or yeah. um, any friction that will prevent us just getting out there on the park. And yeah. I didn't want it to look like we were, you know, asking for too much money. Mm. There's a real... Being demanding. Yeah, mm. yeah. And then once you get in on the inside and you understand it a little bit better and understand how that dynamic works. I think, yeah, I've certainly noticed a shift. Mm. Um, we're not, it's not just about asking for more money and I don't, I don't think it is perceived negatively. It mm. just takes a certain amount if you are going to get out there and yeah. perform at a level that is required. So it's, it's protective more than anything. Mm. Yeah. Daisy's sentiments have obviously changed, but I mean, how often as women have you felt like that? Like, don't don't make a fuss, don't just make grateful. a fuss. Just, just be grateful, just be grateful. Mm. But it's great that they're advocating. It's so important for a woman to be on the um, AFLPA, but so much as well for all of the players to be represented by the AFLPA. It was interesting. I heard on SEN, Tim and Gary were talking about what the AFLPA used to be like when it first started. And they're like, yeah, we got a pair of shorts. That's the journey that they've seen. It sounds like the AFLW. I was going to say. Yeah, really. Just one pair. And boots now. Aren't they born with football boots on (laughs) their feet? I wasn't here that week, so yeah. (laughs) Um, This week there's some amazing footy happening at grassroots level. Community Cup has been going since 93 and it's gone national, which is so exciting. You're either a rock dog or a megahertz. It's time to... Go to the footy with your family, get a sausage and listen to some bands. I mean, you've got Jen Cloa, Murray Wiggle and, Mo- and Wally Meany um, get the crowd dancing, Spider Bait, Pete Temple and so forth. This is all happening in Melbourne at Victoria Park, the home of football. No. Can we say that? Uh, this Sunday, but it's also happening nationally, so look out for that. But I spoke to two amazing people about it alongside, of course, Felicity and Nicole. 
With us now is Evo, Jason Evans, founder and overseer of the RecLink Community Cup, and Kate Boston-Smith, singer-songwriter, poet, cabaret extraordinaire, <laughs> and captain of the Rock Dogs. Welcome to both of you. Yay. Thanks, but how come her title is longer than mine? <laughs> just more pies and more hands and more pies, fingers and more pies, pie hands. Can you just mention runner-up father of the year for the last seven years? <laughs> that is a whom. great community award. And speaking of community, the Recklink Community Cup, it's been going since 1993. It, 20th anniversary of the megahertz. Maybe explain for listeners what the cup is, who Recklink is, and the Rock Dogs, the Megahertz. Oh, it's Evo, it's just thrown to me. But it, the Community Cup is a fabulous, stunning day of uh, community from all parts of Melbourne coming together to fundraise, to have fun, to get around this sport that our city loves so much. Uh, RecLink do fantastic work for people who are less able, who need a bit of a helping hand, who need community, who are maybe disenfranchised by their circumstance or, you know, life a bit. And what a way to bring people in. And RecLink don't just focus on sport, but they also look at art as well. So bringing musicians and radio people and <laughs> and music lovers and sport together is actually the perfect fusion for uh, RecLink as a fundraiser. It's a good marriage, but tell us about the history. Why the cup? It was your love child. How did it give birth? Well, originally I was uh, reading about Tom Wills and the discovery and, and the formation of the great game of our Indigenous football, Australian rules football, and I'd imagine that Wills was watching lots of Indigenous people way back then, and he would have noticed that all the different mobs coming together, and I was trying to work out a way that we could do that with sport. And then in 1993, where I used to kind of live at the Esplanade public bar, we'd see bands and all that and uh, have a great time. Uh we just talked footy all the time and we challenged our mates at the tote for a game of footy and then I met Sacred Heart Mission that were kind of starting off working with sport and arts with street people and marginalised people. And I said, hey, I've got this game of footy, let's do it together. And we did it one July and we raised $500. Now, $500 back in 1993 stacks. <laughs> and so we kept on doing that quickly each year, but it was really pain because, you know, we'd only have like 60 friends, which is girlfriends and some barflies and a couple of mates. And we'd lend things and they all wouldn't get returned. So, you know, I kind of would have to, you know, cop everything in the neck. And then I thought, well, how can we do this? And we can get great publicity. And then I was reminded of the great person, Malcolm McLaren, where you don't have to do a lot of things, but you get the biggest publicity. And I thought, well, who can we play that's going to talk about it, KBS? And I thought, Triple R and PBS. And as you said, 20 years ago, the megahertz were created. We played them. We played in St Kilda at the Ross Gregory Oval, which was my footy grand powerhouse in the amateurs. And uh, we had 2,000 people rock up. And I remember standing on the ground in tradition with the umpires in the middle and uh, both teams in borough jumpers, powerhouse and Collingwood Reds training jumper with Mark C. Helstead singing the national anthem, beautiful baritone. And I looked past the umpires to James Young, the, progr the then program manager of Triple R, and I said, Jim Bob, we're onto something really, <laughs> really, really, really great here. So can I ask, how much do you now expect to raise, like with a with a community cup? You started with five hundred dollars. Did I did yep. I read somewhere that you're you're raising somewhere around the hundred thousand? Hundred thousand last few years. Wow, uh, amazing! But, but also we're national now, and it's only taken us maybe seven years to go national. We celebrate six years in Sydney this year, which is just you know I'm really proud of that. In the last couple of years, we went to Perth and uh, Hobart, and sorry Adelaide, and then last year we went to. Um, my town of Brisbane, which was uh, really incredible. And if I could just just take you on a little journey, I got to play. We played at the Launton Showgrounds, where in 1974, a very skinny seven-year-old boy ran out and played his first game of Australian rules football for the oh. Strathpine Swans. So I took it full circle in front of my parents and <laughs> oh, wow. and stuff like that. Played a blinder. Uh, didn't get BOG. <laughs> didn't, didn't get the uh, Grant McLennan, Robert Forster medal from the go-betweens. But uh, it was a, nice to go full circle. And it was really nice for me, you know, because this, this has been a part of my life for, you know, nearly 25 years. And it's just good to take it to the people. And when I say... To take it to the people, you know, I have to say there's thousands of people that support what we do 
in each capital city and, and all, all the radio stations around Australia and suppliers and sponsors and stuff like that. So to get us right around Australia, like it's an amazing, amazing thing. And moments like we're at now, like it's Melbourne Community Cup Eve week, and um, I really get emotional about it. You see on Facebook things pop up, and uh, there was a busker in the street just the other day had a you know rock dog scarf on, like a Wow, that all started from a bunch of people having beers at the bottom bar of the SB in 1993. Oh, but as Paul Kelly, <laughs> as Paul Kelly sang, "From little things, big things grow." Um, it's a massive day, I know that. But talking about the footy first, who can we look out for? Who's going to be on the actual on the field? Before Kate Highlights. answers that, you <laughs> only need to focus on the team that comprises the three greatest colours. In this country, the mm-hmm. red, yellow, and black—the the magnificent rock dogs. Um, I believe uh, there's another team there. Too, yeah, there though. is. Well, Kate can talk about that because Kate's one of these great people that uh, um, has played for both sides. Uh, started off as a megahert, and then, uh, well, you can answer your own question, Kate. Then lost your radio show, but your band picked up, and actually, you, re- you reformed the band to continue your association with the, with the club that you love. That's true. It's very true. I mean, also because I finished the masters, and we all got time back on our hands. But you know, that's by the by. But um, I mean, moving over to Rock Dogs was a really simple uh, step. I mean, it was hard to leave Megas, but it made more sense. I was doing more music. And Rubes and I met in the Megas. We both play in Rock Dogs. My Kitty Bang Band, which is the cabaret, comprised of a lot of Rock Dogs as well. And um, I don't know. You know what? I like to widen the net sometimes. Like, you've got mates in both teams. You can pull more antics on the stage, on the field, rather. And uh, it's just a bit more fun. Who are the stars? The stars. Uh, From the Rock Dogs. Yeah, there's definitely... Glenn is always quite funny to watch. Uh, Ross is a legend. Marie Fuster. uh, Actually, there's some stuff being planned. And I think with the change of um, auditorium or venue, there's an influx of um, uh, energy coming to the theatrics of the game. So the sporting, I mean, and as old players or older players like myself in our fifth year or going on to sixth, seventh year, uh, come back again and age comes with us. I don't know. It's like we've got to protect the uh, digits and uh, protect the bones and go for more theatre. We're all stars. (laughs) Yeah. And even our dance partners, the megahertz, their stars as well. That's totally. what I say. Well, you're the first female solo captain, which is exciting. And just really quickly, tell tell us about the fact that females have been playing for so long at the Community Cup. Well, I have to say it's taken us a while because, um, and Alicia, you're a part of Triple R and it took you a long time to get it. I guess, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I guess maybe that's my fault as well. Maybe we didn't communicate it and put safety measures and, and be inclusive. Like when you do anything, you kind of think, oh, we just want to have fun and stuff like that without kind of thinking society kind of stuff like that. So I think, to be really honest, I think in the early years of the Cup, we weren't really thinking broadly and it was a bit too much gung-ho and white line fever, but the crowd loved it. So it was that kind of gladiatorial kind of thing or, or safety. And it took us a long time to get um, our female players from both sides comfortable and then we've put some rules in place and then we've taken away those rules and there's like all these different things. But uh, It's gone off. Mm. Look, it has. <laughs> and, you know, I'm very proud of the fact that uh, obviously with the AFLW League, the women's that started over in the summer, you know, that was absolutely fantastic as a father of an eight-year-old daughter. Um, and, you know, we've heard lots of stories from people that come to the Cup and, you know, their little girls are in the in the crowds watching the game going, I want to be a rock dog. I want to be a megahertz one day. I'm going to form a band. I'm going to do a radio show. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Well, you mentioned it's a community day and we must direct people to the website uh, communitycup.com.au because you can just see what's going on, obviously, in Melbourne this Sunday, the 25th of June at Victoria Park, but you can also see where it's going on in Adelaide, Brisbane, Sydney, Hobart and Perth. And it is a day for families and mm. a day for football. Football wins. Yeah. Final thoughts. What are, what's the most exciting thing about the day? Let's, well, let's go. Well, I, I think it's – I wasn't around in the 70s, but from photos and stuff that I've read, I feel like it's going back to footy in the 70s, but amped up with music. It's like a festival one day in our backyard, dogs, babies, bands, everything, food, you know, it's freezing. Everyone just gets together. You just get tight at the side or like it's just high octane and uh, easy to get to. (laughs) It's the day that if you're in the grandstands, and this has been quoted to me a hundred times, KBS, it's the day that you probably 
end up in bed with an ex. It's so good. <laughs> Jason Evans, Kate Boston Smith, thank you so much. Thank Go you. Megahertz. Go Rock Dogs. Woof. I'm just disclosing, I'm a megahertz. We're all megahertz, oh, we're right? We're all going to be megahertz. Oh. Well, I can't play radio. Music. I wouldn't qualify for the rock dogs. No, I don't think they play <laughs> Celine Dion. <laughs> hey, uh, Mangrook celebrating Felicity. Oh, it's so exciting. Nicole and I are off there tonight to, mm-hmm. to join in with them for their uh, 10th anniversary. And, you know, I, I guess this week it's um, it's even more stark the difference isn't between your your options for footy shows and I loved reading um some pieces about it and the I guess you know people reflecting on what Mangrook is and where it's come from and the gorgeous sort of explanation that Mangrook was designed for something that kids can watch too there's no coarse language there's no send-ups of any people it's not derogatory towards anyone it's inclusive um all of those elements make it an attractive show um, that has a lot of respect that goes right through the program. Plus, they actually talk about football. They yeah. talk about Good footy. Point. Mm. They actually talk about stats and facts Ooh. too. Oh, so um, we could learn something. If you it. are based in Melbourne, I would highly recommend you try and get yourself a ticket. They film out at um, Deakin University, and it's a really great night when you you go out there and sit in the crowd and just watch that happen. Um, it's a beautiful show, and congratulations! Ten years is extraordinary. Yes. Well done, Margaret. Yay. Massive shout out. Alicia, what's happening in women's footy? Do you guys think we could play? Um, yeah, this question again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping every year, I'm hoping because I've got my uh, size 12 boys, Terry Wallace, signed on the bum <laughs> shorts. And I'm hoping to squeeze them in, although factually it just fits on one leg. But uh, following the great success of the AFLW, Melbourne Football Club is on the search for their next demon. So if you're an athlete, 17 and over, so that's us. Um, <laughs> Just made it. Uh, yeah, Bring your fake ID, Nicole. <laughs> Wednesday the 28th of June, 6.30 to 8.30pm at Amy Park. You can uh, go to afl.com.au, women get involved and have a look. But you can actually apply to be a demon. And there's other clubs doing this too. So check out the afl.com.au. But... We could get do down Do you think there. if I went down there wearing my demon scarf, I'd get like at least an extra few points? I think no. someone would say, go red legs. No, That's I think they I... would see straight through that. <laughs> <laughs> and Mel Hickey would back away. She's going <laughs> so she's that crazy woman. Yeah, Kate doing your Celine Dion. Surely oh. you could be in the – can we start a cheer squad? Well, cheer at the very least, maybe. I'd be pre-training entertainment, surely. Because I'm, I'm angling for a gig in the grand final, as you know. Oh. That's yep. the um, support act to the killers. The new meatloaf. Um. <laughs> exactly. That was not supportive. Mind you, it's a low bar. It's a low it's bar. A low, well, it really is Even I It's better than the new Batmobile. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Hey, you know how we kicked off with Omen Watch? I've got a segment that I want to launch today. And don't stop listening right now because I'm about to say something that I think traditionally people would think this is what we all talked about all the time. The segment is called... Period watch. Who's on their period? Yay Yay for periods. Um, I just wanted to say that I've seen some things in the news lately about periods and I wanted to be really open in talking about periods because it's one of the barriers that stops women and girls from playing sport and getting involved. I mean, we can probably all remember people writing notes and saying they couldn't do PE. It turns out 50% of women and girls use periods as an excuse to not get involved in sport because they're embarrassed. They're embarrassed about pads slipping or about what they have to wear, leakage, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Being uncomfortable. Feeling bloated, I guess, is Mm, a massive one. Um, But I also saw a study coming out about the contraceptive pill and how they're doing a study with elite athletes about whether or not the contraceptive pill raises your body temperature and is therefore one of those one percenters that for elite athletes that actually could make a huge difference if they're overheating more than their competitors. Mm. And Does that make it performance Enhancing? No. no decreasing. Decreasing. Oh, decreasing. Yeah. Okay. So they're talking about cooling down your core temperature before you play if right. you're on the contraceptive pill. They're looking at all different ways that they can do it. I have heard being around a footy club now, being around a female footy club a lot, I do hear of the girls saying like, oh, you know, sometimes 
some weeks of the month, you know, I weigh in at this or I feel sluggish or I, I don't feel like playing. And, and heavy flows. Yeah, mm. terrible mm. to have to deal with. But one of the things I thought we could do, and I've always been quite ashamed of talking about periods, but I just want to say period a couple more times in this um, menstruation, period. menstruation and periods. Mm. I want to say it a lot because Tampons, I've got three daughters mm. and I don't want them to ever think that there's any shame in having your period. And if you are a parent, if you are a, a, a man listening to this, you have daughters, don't screw up your face and say, ooh, because it actually it has a flow-on effect and it makes you feel a bit <laughs> of shame about it. Yep. But we all different. have different experiences. Exactly. And, and I would actually extend that, M, when you're talking about, you know, if you've got daughters, I think if you've got sons as well, just yeah. talk about it. Absolutely. And yep. then it doesn't have this, you know, power of something scary that Woo-woo. you can't exactly. talk about and it's a... Yeah, And, you know, if you want greater understanding about people who do have really painful periods and things like that, Kate Sear has written a book on endometriosis. I was about to call you Kate Endometriosis. It's a real page turner. Isn't it? It's a real page turner. It's a stocking filler. Absolutely. You know, if you're looking for something this Father's Day. <laughs> a Chris Kringle, maybe. A Chris Kringle in the Absolutely. workplace. You know, it's a great book. Yeah, I did my PhD on... Um, on endometriosis and women's experiences with the health system. And there is an enormous amount of taboo and stigma attached to menstruation. And it's even worse in some cultures. In some Mm. cultures too, there are quite mystical associations with with menstruation uh, that means sometimes that it's held um, in quite a, you know, a lot of esteem and it's considered to be a very beautiful time of, of, of the month for, for women. But for most women, particularly in Western cultures, it is still extraordinarily taboo and stigmatised. And that has a whole range of pardon the pun, flow on effects again. Um, and yeah, re- really talking about it in this forum, but also talking about it openly in families and so on is really, really important yep. just to chipping away at what is actually a totally normal and natural um, part of everybody's For life. half of the Periods population. in the workplace are a big thing and the yeah. sportsmen have their workplace and to talk about that yes. is, it, it should yeah, be encouraged. Absolutely. absolutely. So I think we've come to the end of the show, which I'm now thinking we should call this episode the cliche because we trash talked the uh, footy, footy show, show. Mm-hmm. and we talked about periods. We're so actually living, this, this we living the dream. Not, not living until we have a pillow fight. <laughs> <laughs> in our bra and undies. Oh, I'm just going to pull out my pad. Hang on. <laughs> Before we go, I just wanted to give a little shout out to to Peggy O'Neill, who's the president of the Richmond Football Club. We love Peggy on this show. She's a friend of the pod and she did a very nice thing on the weekend by um, helping me and my mum out. It was my mum's birthday and so she did something very nice and got us tickets to the game and um, also tickets to go down into the rooms and meet oh. the players and everything, which was just an amazing experience so for my mum. She was so excited. I was really uh, amazed that the dressing rooms are right next door to each other and and so actually a lot of the Richmond players come out and mingle and chat to the Sydney players which I didn't realise happened. They're all very friendly and so on after what was a really close fought and actually at times quite feisty mm. contest. So it was just a really fantastic right. experience and thank you so much Peggy. It was a tough day for her and the Tigers. Yes, thanks, Peggy. And we only say it here because we know you listen, Peggy. So um, thanks very much for joining us, everyone. And thank you. We got so many emails and messages this week. We just thank you so much for getting involved and telling us that you're enjoying the show. Have a great week and go footy. See you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.